Hello again, and this is the Hoosier Football Tailgate here on the Believe Network. I am the coach, Shannon Griffith, and welcome to the show on this gorgeous Monday uh, after the four-overtime victory for the Indiana Hoosiers that most would say it almost feels like a loss, even though they got the W. And I've been in coaching for many years, and sometimes you win ugly, and you don't apologize for it because a win is a win is a win. But that being said, there's much to discuss today here on this Monday afternoon as the Hoosiers get by the Akron Zips from the Mid-American Conference. And we need to uh, sit back, digress, catch a breath or two, uh, step away from the ledge because not all things are as bad as they may seem. But first and foremost, football is back and Bet Online is your number one information source for all sports wagering with information up uh, to minute stats, news, scores, matchups, and breakdowns. Bet online where the game starts. Well, the Hoosiers found a way to win in overtime, but if you looked at it from the black and white statistical analysis alone, there was a discrepancy in the total yardages uh, for the afternoon or evening, I should say as Akron outgained the Hoosiers 474 to 282. And a lot of that came from the quarterback, somebody that I had highlighted on the Thursday preview show, uh, uh, Mr. Irons, who, again, I believe had a tremendous football game. Uh, he ended up having a somewhere in the neighborhood of 340-plus yards of total offense he had 144 yards on the ground. Uh, he only lost three uh, at the quarterback spot. So he netted 142, two touchdowns along a 34. And then Lingard, the other running back that we talked about, 14 carries, 116 yards. The big one, a 71-yard touchdown scamper that tied the game in the fourth quarter. And um, really at that point, it was anybody's ball game. And only the the only reason why this game went into overtime was Akron kicker missed a bunny. I call it a bunny of a field goal, considering that it was in the middle of the field and he hooked it left where he had made uh, other field goal on that night from about the same distance. So again, uh, Akron was not uh, able to secure the victory in regulation. And we went to overtime, of course, and um, the Hoosiers found a way to get it done in the four overtime when they had uh, the two-point conversion that was uh, successful, and then the defense for Indiana uh, knocked it down in the end zone on the ensuing pass for the two-point uh, two-point conversion. But there was a. Uh, it was a well of a ball game if you really sat and watched it from the perspective of what I had talked about on Thursday. If Indiana gave Akron any hope in this game, it was going to be a dogfight for the end, and that came true. As soon as Akron felt that they could play Indiana, and Indiana gave them a sense of hope, they put it on them. And they went for it tooth and nail. The Irons kid, in my opinion, was the best uh, 
uh, player on the field that night. He made several plays, be it running the football or throwing it. And then Akron's defense was, I believe, in my opinion, under, underrated as they came into the game. Uh, the McCoy kid, the linebacker, showed that he is a definite big-time player, made several tackles. I think he ended up having, I think, 13 total tackles on the night, somewhere in that vicinity, because he was uh, all over the field and made a couple clutch um tackles uh on the night he had eight solos four assists for 12 total he had one tackle for loss and um he was kind of all over the field the nunley kid was another kid that was also a big part of their night with six tackles and these are all the guys that we kind of went through and analyzed on uh thursday's pregame uh show about who on akron uh, the Hoosiers had to be aware of and while Kentucky shut them down uh, pretty much so on the night you could see by watching them that they had uh, some talent and I think Indiana's coaches even alluded to that in their or Tom Allen alluded to that in the postgame comments about he felt that that Indiana uh, was overlooking Akron in the sense that wasn't taking them overly seriously. And in fact, he had to restart practice on Thursday because he didn't like the focus of the team. Um, that's concerning. Uh, you're four games in. Uh, you got a game coming up that you can get back to 500 before you enter a Big Ten play against a very capable Maryland team who dismantled Michigan State this past week. And you're restarting practice on a Thursday to pay, play a MAC team. That's a leadership problem. And to me, that's where some of the guys on the team have to stand up and police that uh, better uh, than the head coach having to stop practice and restart it, especially when through the week it had been a uh, topic of discussion uh, with the coaching staff and the players, and they didn't seem to get the, uh, the picture of that according to the comments that coach Allen made. And then on top of that, you get into Saturday's ball game and it just was a, not a, a pretty game from IU standpoint. It was ugly. The offense was anemic. It, and in some cases, unmanage, uh, imaginable in terms of the play calling at times and the execution wasn't there on a consistent basis. I know that there's frustration with the offense and the offensive coordinator, Walt Bell. He's been there now for over a year. They've got 16 games, and I don't think they've averaged more than 21 points a game. So there's a productivity problem uh, as it pertains to uh, the IU offense. Um, they made some changes. They got, you know, they fired the offensive line coach from last year, brought in the gentleman from Wisconsin. Uh, Bobstead, and they are still having issues on being able to consistently control the line of scrimmage and have an effective run game. I put on some of the goals for IU on Thursday night basically was they needed to score 30 points. They needed to have at least 150 yards rushing and 300 yards passing. They did nothing neither. They had 92 total yards rushing against uh, Akron for a 2.7 yard average and they were uh taven was 11 of 25 with one interception for 190 yards on the night 
And uh, from that perspective, they just really fell short of any of their expectations. And being that they only averaged 2.7 on the ground, they were 3 of 14 on third down, very well below their productivity that they had shown up in the, up until that point in three games. They only had the ball for 25 minutes to Akron's 34. And um, it just wasn't um, what you would expect from a Big Ten team playing a MAC team. And I know sometimes that gets overrated uh, as a conversational point, but um, you should not be outgained. Uh, by that Mac opponent, especially in your own backyard on a Saturday night in Bloomington. But the facts are the facts, and they were. Now, stats don't always tell the whole story, and in this case, they don't, because by that black and white, they they would have lost this game. And they were lucky to not lose it because of the opportunity that Akron had be at the end of regulation. But... Um, give credit where credit's due their kids re resilient they came back and found a way to get it done and there's nobody else in that building that knows other than those kids that saturday's game was an unacceptable performance uh whether it was effort whether it was execution whether it was missed assignments they know that that game was not an acceptable performance for them without even having the coaches to say something now back to walt bell I know a lot of people are, are calling for him, his job, or to re relieve his duties as offensive coordinators. Now, I understand that frustration, and I understand that's, a, in some cases, the knee-jerk response when you're struggling as an offense. And in some respects, based on productivity, that's what you get paid for as a coach, productivity, especially the offensive coordinator. They haven't been productive. There's no sugarcoating that. They have not been productive as an offense that they need to be in the Big Ten. I understand, and everyone understands, that they've got young quarterbacks back there. But at the same time, if you're not giving them every opportunity that you think is necessary to be successful, that's on you. The ineffectiveness inside the red zone, especially inside the five, is another unacceptable performance. And I know there's nobody better that knows that than Walt Bell. And I believe that he is still the best avenue for the Hoosiers to continue with him. And as they grow, he'll grow in terms of what, you know, they have confidence in calling. I'll show a couple things that I think may, in my opinion, help them on the red zone in the on the goal line from my coaching perspective. That's it just an opinion. I'm not going to sit here and claim I've got all the answers. And I'll do what I can with the tell, you know, the television version of the uh tape. But at the same time, there's got to be more creativity just like they did on the two-point play. That was creative. You know, um that was a creative play. They needed that play when they were down there after the interception where they had to set a four field goal and they should have gotten a touchdown. Or before that one, when they were down there and it could have made it a 14 nothing game and changed the whole complexion of the game in that regard. And, uh, of course, yeah, uh, McCauley missed the, the one uh, pass that he dro dropped that there was nobody in front of him. And just as much as, you know, uh, 
you can sit here and say, you know, it was this play or that play. That play had a lot to do with it as well, because if he catches it and scores, it's it's a different game. And I mean that from the standpoint, it just changes the complexion of the game coaches and what they call and how they perform from that point forward. But we'll get into that here in a little bit uh, with that as it pertains to uh, uh, some of the offense uh, stuff as well. The other thing is um, there are times that Taven is not, doesn't look comfortable within the system. Um, option speaking football. I'm not, I'm, I'm a pro option guy at the right time. I'm more of a speed option guy in what they have ran with Taven some than I am the, you know, inside zone fake and then pitch it to the guy coming around because I'm not quite sure that's Taven. But um, there are times he just doesn't look overly comfortable. The other thing that Taven's problem is, is sometimes I think he tries to guide the ball rather than throw the ball. And I think that's evident when he makes throws and they're kind of high and sail on him a little bit. Um, cause he does have such a strong arm. There are times where I think he tries to take something off of it, um, rather than sit back and rip it, but that's a young quarterback that will come with more reps and more comfortability in the game situations that he gets. But um, the other thing was, um, you know, Jalen Lucas's touches and such. He never touched the ball really uh, inside the five-yard line once, if I'm, if I'm correct. And he by far is your best player as it pertains to what he gives you in his own talent. And you got to have things that, that accentuate his talent, especially in those areas of the field. However, that, you know, you know, corresponds into the framework of their offense. He's got to be a main focal point in that uh, play calling perspective and uh, I think um, right now, with the goal line scenarios, the only thing that they may be concerned of is that his size and you know is not that of a you know a big sturdy running back like a Henderson who's not in the you know he's hurt right now that's going to go up and plow it in there. I get that, but you got to find ways to get him the ball however that may be. And sometimes in the side the, inside the five, rather than lining up in two types and playing smash mouth football, you may have to spread them out and figure out how you get the ball in from there. But these are all things that are easier to work on when you have a win, irregardless of how well you played or how bad you played. It's easier to have these types of practices moving forward, preparing for Maryland with the fact that you won on Saturday because at least you have that in the column. You're going into Maryland at 500 and you're going to face a much better football team and emphasis on why you've got to get better uh, as a offensive unit, defensive unit, coaching staff, however you look at it is much better to do off a win than it is off a loss. So that's what I mean by it's not as maybe as bad as you seem as of course, it's not as good as you seem. It's somewhere in the middle and you've got to keep progressing. 
just like Walt Bell. He's got to get better. He knows he's got to get better. And he's going to find those areas that he can accentuate the talent that he's got and figure ways to mix the ball around and suit Taven's um, uh, talent in that regard. Now, in the press conferences this afternoon, he talked about they're going to be a run-first team. There's going to be option mixed in it and hard play action type of, of football team. Fine. If you're going to be a run-first team, you're going to have to have more uh, some type of boots and things off of that to complement that, to set those things up. If you're going to be a power team and run some power, you got to have some play action off of the power run game. These are the things that you couple together to protect the run and help the pass and vice versa. I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing that in their hard play action game as much as I think, you know, I would would expect in that regard. So if you're going to be a run first, you got to find ways to throw hard play action off of those type of runs to protect them. Otherwise, they're no good. It doesn't matter. Um, you're going to have an element of the drop back passing game. You got to have a quick game. You got to have a screen game. And you have to have, you know, your regular um, progressionary routes that you're throwing in situational uh, situational scenarios uh, that present themselves throughout the game so that the kids understand this is what we're going to do. And then you use formations and motions to help disguise what you're going to do. So these are all things I guarantee you, uh, Coach Bell, the offensive staff, they all know this. They're all working on it diligently. And they're trying to be more productive as an offense. So until that time comes where a true evaluation happens, to me, you keep the pedal, pedal on the on the gas and you keep rolling down the road and, and you don't look back. Um, making changes in the middle of the year after four games isn't the answer. Um, and I don't think they have the necessary aspect on the offense to just change it around right now anyway and i know that coach uh, allen probably feels the same way and he has confidence in walt bell walt bell has a resume that is a, an impressive background and what he's done and so again as fans were impatient and that's understandable nobody under, understands that more than the coaches and the players but there is a time that you have to have some patience and this is one of those times. Now, defensively, you would have said, hey, they did pretty good on Saturday. And the reality of it is, by the tail of the tape, they didn't. They gave up 474 yards of offense to Akron, who had been averaging, I think, less than 200, if not right around that. They gave up 474 yards. Like I said, Irons had the quarterback had 335 of that. So, uh, they lost contain on him on many occasions. They, uh, in some cases, had him dead to rights, and he got out of it based upon his own uh, abilities. But uh, from a yardage perspective, not good. And then again, they give up the big run, big play, 71-yard run. They're right in the fourth quarter where they've got Akron right where they need him inside their own, you know, around the 30 i believe and uh they get wonky with some of their fits and he lingered speeds uh, splits it and there's nobody back in the deep third and he's out the gate 70 some odd yards later and it's a tie ball game um and those are the things again irregardless of who you're playing 
big plays. You have to eliminate them as much as possible. And they had given up some other ones on the day. Like I said, anything over 15 yards, I really haven't had a chance to go back and kind of categorically look at the play-by-play uh, -play in that regard. But again, it wasn't uh, good enough in that regard. Now, they did go do good things. They got two picks. Uh, they got one that returned for a touchdown, and the other one, you know, they get it down to the three or two, and we can't, and now you can't put it in. Um, you know, the, you know, you you can give up 500 yards, but if you're putting offense in the position to score points, by God, you got to score points, and they didn't do that. So, uh, again, they gave Akron just way too many, uh, too much hope. Um, Saturday and um, it cost them uh, and it almost cost them the game because they gave up so much to Akron in that ball game in terms of what they thought uh, they were getting in terms of an opponent so those are all things that again like I said are much better correcting and addressing in 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 this scenario when you win and don't forget a win is a win is a win. They're two and two. They're heading into bid 10 play now. You know, they've got to get themselves in a position where they're going to be able to compete week in, week out, no matter who's across of them. And we'll have more on Maryland as we move into Thursday. But let me just say this. The Maryland football team is a very, very good football team. Got a chance to watch them on Saturday against Michigan State. And I know Michigan State's in a state of flux right now with the things that are occurring there. But Maryland pretty much manhandled them for four quarters and uh, never gave Michigan State hope. They went into Michigan State up in Lansing, did what they had to do, did never gave them hope, put the nails in the coffin early, and uh, it wasn't even a close game in that regard uh, on Saturday. But uh, let's head in here. Let's get into the... Uh, some of this videotape that I've got a little bit on in the coaches, uh, Coach Griff's uh, video vault room and stuff. We'll watch some of this and kind of dissect dissect some things as we go along here. Um, and we'll move rather quickly um, as we partake uh, through this a little bit. Now, Irons came in the game, 65 complete passer, only 392 yards on the on the year, but. 65% passer can tell you all you need to know about him. Uh, here's one of his throws right off the bat, first play of the uh, contest for them. They do a nice job with what they're doing. Now, Coach Moreland is a former offensive coordinator. He's, call, he's uh, um, calling the plays, and this is kind of a little bluff power read to the linebackers, and they're throwing a little play-action wheel here and get good good yardage off of it. And you kind of see it here from the background. Good fits there. They got a, uh, you know, IU's got a guy coming off the edge. He almost gets home. But uh, Irons does a great throw here, back shoulder throw, and a great catch on the outside. Quarterback run designed. This is basically like a quarterback draw, or you can call it a quarterback ISO. And what I mean by this, the running back is going to be in here looking to uh, block the first backer that he sees that he comes into. 
and uh let's see i don't want that one but he gets up in there there he gets the block and it springs irons for basically 11 yard run and another first down for them and so on their first drive they're already starting to uh enter iu's territory now for, they have some mental breaks downs like here where they make the mistake of of um procedures so some of that stuff hurt them on um saturdays a saturday as well well that helped iu in that regard let's see if i can jump here to Yeah, this is the first interception that IU had on the evening. This is just a great play overall by the secondary. Sometimes it's nice to have the black uniforms, but sometimes it's hard seeing the numbers on uh, on who they get get it here. But this one is uh, a great uh, interception. After Akron had driven the ball down the field, they found a way to get off the field with a huge interception and provided themselves with an opportunity. There's the belt that the McMahons had given to them. It was a chippy game from the standpoint there was a lot of penalties on the night. Uh, that one, even on the return, they had uh, a... Uh, a little scuffle around the sidelines that uh, wasn't very good in terms of getting the field position that they lost. So IU gets it here. Here they take a shot. And you can see here, great pocket. Again, not all the time the pocket was clean on Saturday, but Taven does a good job, sets his feet, he hitches up, and throws a dime to Camper down the sideline for a big play. And... Uh, Unfortunately, this drive stalls because they don't get it in from there. Um, it stalls out in the sense that after this, they just kind of went backwards in terms of what they were trying to do. Here's a bad throw. You know, he's got he's got to really hit this one, um, even though it's throwing back to his his uh, left. And you see Akron's. They did a good job of 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 um, disguising their coverage. Uh, they're going to do some type of roll here, where this safety is going to run down here, play like a robber. He's going to roll to the deep third, and you get this soft look um, where that end drops it drops. So it's kind of like a little bit of a zone blitz look, and he just doesn't deliver it. To me, I was surprised he didn't stay at the top to get the double in or the slants that went up there. But uh, in some of these instances, it's just uh, kind of dealer's choice, I call it, when the quarterback has uh, uh, two different routes on either side that he can choose from to what he wants to do um, when he delivers the ball. Again, pretty. this is the one. Now, this is... This one, to me, uh, this is hard to teach in some respects because this corner is going to come on a strike. I call it strike, corner strike. 
and they probably have it built in as soon as he crosses the wide receiver's face he's yelling you know strike 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 or whatever to get the quarterback's attention so he does a great job there macaulay being a former quarterback i mean he sees it he's got these eyes turned back Taven's in a position they got the protection they need to get it out there he delivers the ball and now it was a little this is the one that i think that in some respects, he was guiding it to him because he was so wide open. And it's just like in golf, when you're facing a tee shot over water, you immediately say, I hope I don't hit it in the water. What, what happens? You hit it in the water. There he's probably thinking, I hope I don't throw it short. And uh, McCauley just did, you know, took his hands off or his eyes off the ball and he made a drop, but that's a touchdown. And that, again, would change the complexity of the game there because it puts them a big play right into the uh, uh, teeth of that defense and, you know, really forces Akin to re rethink that type of blitz when you make him pay for it. That was the problem. We, they didn't make him play for it. I think this is a series where Indiana does get maybe the interception on. Uh, no, I'm surprised it wasn't. But again, Irons again, he had a tremendous game. I mean, the kid really played well. I think Coach Moorhead uh, had a, a great uh, game plan for Indiana because of how they were moving the ball and this is something you just don't teach this is pure athleticism and his skill set when and when he has to know to tuck it and run and he gives them a lot of options and will cause a lot of problems for mac teams because the way he plays the game and his aggressiveness i think he's one of those guys that can do a lot of great things for them uh on the year as they go on I wanted to get down here to some of the goal line stuff. Okay, let's see what we got. Yeah, here's the first and goal where they had got it. I think after the one interception, they decided to run option and look this is a good play call and the reason why it's a good play call they're attacking it weak they're putting this guy in in uh conflict you know what they're trying to do as an offensive line here is they're trying to run scoop blocking or outside zone concepts of trying to get it to this level get this guy in conflict one-on-one -on -one, and if they do uh you know, we they walk in. I think Jalen could have attacked him a little bit more because you can see here he may have been able to fake pitch it and cut it up underneath there. So to me, there wasn't anything wrong with that than just the fact that they couldn't get up to the McCoy linebacker and he's a you know he's a tough player uh, to get blocked down there because he's so good at what he does and his movement. Second play, um, again, they're going to try to run inside zone. And uh, it wasn't bad. They got positive yardage of it down to the two. And, uh, you know, it's a play that uh, 
works well for them on it. And then here's the play on third and goal where they brought McCauley in at quarterback to run quarterback power. Akron does a great job of selling out down here. Um, but here's one thing that I think Indiana can think of, and I'm sure they've got it in their playbook. When you're facing a defense that's playing this D, uh, coverage, it's the Bear defense, Bear 46. You can see the vast majority of their defense is from here back. I mean, there's a lot of bodies over here. Now, IU has a hat for a hat, but there's just a lot of bodies to get through on that. Um, the one play that I think is a good play is where, again, you're going to read this gentleman here, put him in conflict, run your power game where you're blocking when you're blocking down. Excuse me here. Clear that one but you're gonna block down and back on this with your offensive line. Block down, block down, block down. Try to get somebody up to this guy if you can. And then you're gonna pull this guard right here. And he's gonna pull for this front side linebacker. And what you're gonna do is you're gonna run a pop speed sweep this way. The quarterback's going to read this defender. If he goes with that, if he goes with the fake, he pulls it and runs quarterback power. If he hangs with it, you give it to him, and he's and it's a foot race to the end zone. So running it back weak here, in my opinion, would have been the best result to run the power play, um, and get the ball in the end zone. But unfortunately, they don't do it. They get some. The problem here is they come back with the same play. And this, to me, was more frustration, a frustration play uh, than anything. But as you can see here, why I just diagrammed, you've got the same setup. You could easily run it back this way, some type of power running game. Um, like I said, that speed sweep concept with a quarterback uh, reading it one way or the other. If this guy... We put him in conflict, and he reads that guy. And if that guy collapses, he gives it. If the guy widens and takes the running back on the speed sweep because he's basically the guy that's setting the edge, then it should be a pull and walk in the end zone. But unfortunately for IU, uh, that's where they've got to get better with some of their stuff on their goal line preparation on what they're going to do down there. And it, running power is not a bad play call because you're blocking down the gaps. You should be able to secure the inside and pull a guy around there and, and at least finally get up inside there. There was one time I don't have it on film. Uh, I can't believe, I think it was um, Turner at one time. He missed the cut on the power where he would have had to take on the linebacker in the hole, but it's better to take on one guy than taking on eight, you know, six or seven guys. But that's where they can learn to, I think, expand what they're doing down there uh, offensively. The power running game, I believe in. I think you got to be able to run it. They've got to execute it better. There's no question about that. And uh, with this Maryland team coming up, they're going to have to find ways to keep the ball uh, in their hands and keep 
uh, Maryland's offense on the sideline because they've got a lot of skilled players and they like to uh, score fast. So, but uh, we'll get to that on Wednesday. I appreciate you joining me here this afternoon. Uh, remember, betonline.ag. Uh, head to the website today. Use your mobile device. Get in the action. Remember, use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online is where the game starts. So thank you to them for sponsoring our show to here today. I'll catch you on Wednesday with a breakdown of Maryland and what the Hoosiers will need to do to get themselves a win. But till next time, I'm the coach, Shannon Griffith. This is the Hoosier football tailgate here on the Believe Network.